Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Today's message is all about a question directed straight to the heart of the listener. The question is this, are you rich toward God? It's certainly possible to be. In fact, if we are still sinners, if we have never been saved, then we definitely are not rich towards Him. Our lives would be all taken up with ourselves, our own pleasures, and our own plans. The Lord Jesus Christ told a parable about such a person, He was smart and successful, rich by our standards. In fact, he had so much that he had to make plans to upsize his business and estate. But sadly, he forgot to take God into account, and the Lord Jesus Christ calls him a fool. Yes, a fool, for living such a horizontal existence. Tragically, we are all in peril of doing the very same thing, of coming to the end of life, perhaps unexpectedly, and finding out too late that we were fools in the sight of God. We hope that this message today will serve to awaken any who are listening in our audience up to now and have been forgetting all about God and that they will soon be in a hurry to establish a relationship with the one who will determine their eternity. We're going to read in the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke. It'd be one thing if you were coming to hear a lecture, but when we're speaking from the pulpit, we are asking you to open the Word of God, the all-inclusive, completed, and final, and authoritative written Word of God to the human race. There is no other book on planet Earth today that is God's Word other than the Word of God, the Holy Bible. Voltaire, back in the 1700s, quite a long time ago, he was a French philosopher. He made a number of boasts. He said that Christianity would become extinct and the Bible would only be found in dusty museums. Well, how many here tonight have the completed set of books that Voltaire wrote, because he wrote books from the 1700s, either on your phone or your device or on your bookshelf. Now, I'm going to ask another question, because he said it was going to become a book that would only be found in museums. Do you know the very room where he made that boast? It actually became a printing press for Bibles. That's remarkable. God's Word isn't going out of style. There's an organization, the Gideons, they distribute Bibles and New Testaments around the world. In the year 2014, in one 12-month period, they distributed, just that one organization, 59,460,000 Bibles over 
100 Bibles a minute. Over 100 Bibles. That one organization distributed. So the Bible, I don't know whether you, you've been spending any time reading the Bible, but if you're having questions about the authoritative, all-inclusive, completed, final, written Word of God for the human race, you're welcome to talk to us afterwards, but we're going to read from its holy pages tonight. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. We're reading the words of the Lord Jesus. Jesus said unto them, verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And here it is, verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought or reasoned within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits or my crops. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy souls shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Verse 21. So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Is not rich toward God. And that's what I want to focus your thoughts on. Are you rich towards God? This man, he reasoned with himself. He thought within himself. And we want you to think about yourself. And your relationship, your understanding with God and off God. Do you have a relationship with Him? You know, you can have rich relationships, horizontal relationships. At supper time, I was asked how I could ever even think of celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary, me being here on the West Coast and my wife being home on the East Coast for our 40th wedding anniversary. We enjoy a rich, horizontal relationship. But we're not talking about horizontal relationships tonight. We want to know what your relationship is like towards God. Can you say, sir, I have a rich relationship with God. Do you? I want to talk about narcissism, humanism, secularism, and hedonism. It's all in this section of the Bible. The words aren't mentioned here, but the way the Lord Jesus tells this remarkable story, you can find all of these, narcissism, humanism, secularism, and hedonism in this story. But before we proceed, again, I'm going to ask you, how would you characterize your own personal relationship with God? Are you rich? towards God. Would you say it's a robust relationship? Other relationships may unravel. 
You could have a close work associate. And just some friction in the workplace comes between you and it unravels and you're not even on speaking terms. But on the vertical, can you say confidently, I am rich towards God. I am so deeply indebted to him. I love him. He sent his son to be my savior. And I have an eternal rich relationship with God. Some of you have been here in past nights. You know it has nothing to do with money because we're, I'm sure if we set a plate around, we'd get probably $100 tonight. But it has absolutely nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with your own personal relationship with God. You may never come back to this place. And you don't have to come back to this place, although we're delighted to have you. But as you move on in your life, do you have a rich relationship with God? This story that we've been reading, it says the ground of a certain rich man. There was an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And as you read down this, it's, it just reeks of self-love. Did you notice all the pronouns and the... I was trying to emphasize, I, my, you say, yes, I did notice. It was actually getting quite, it was irritating the way you were reading it. Well, I'm just sort of doing it for a bit of emphasis. I was hoping you would pick up and notice. But as you read this story, there are 11 references to himself. Nothing about God. It's all about me. Self-love. In other words, I don't love God. I love myself. The world revolves around him, me, my, and mine. No mention of God. That's narcissism defined as self-love. Perhaps you remember this story, Greek mythology of a handsome young man by the name of Narcissus, and he rejected the love of another, and instead he spent hour after hour taking selfies. Well, that's not how the Greek mythology goes, but there's almost an equivalent in our society today. It's rather shocking that plastic surgeons are very troubled by the request for people to have their noses altered. And they're saying it is a direct result of selfies because the camera on phones, selfies are distorting people's noses in particular. And people are looking saying, I don't like the look of my nose and the number of requests for surgery is skyrocketing. They're blaming it on selfies. Interesting. And you remember the story of Narcissus and he rejected the love of another person and he spent hour after hour looking at his own reflection in the pool. Oh, I love myself. Oh, oh. If only people could see my beauty. Self-love. This man was all about himself. Worried over only one problem. It's my produce. My produce. What I'm going to do. Do you know what the bigger problem was? Maybe it's your problem tonight. He had no room for his produce, his grain, his crops. But the bigger problem was he had no room for God. God was on the outside. I wonder where God fits in your life. You have a very famous person lives in... The GVA, his name is Doug. 
Copeland. You can follow him on social media. He's written Generation X, Shampoo Planet. He wrote a 360-page book entitled Life After God. He's an artist. He's a sculptor. He's recognized around the world. And I read his book on life after God. The inability to make sense of life when God is not in life's equation. And I read the book. I was going through page after page. And I thought, this is dark. He picked the right title. Life after God. How do I make sense of my life with God on the outside? And he describes how his world was shattered as a teenager when his parents broke the news to him that they no longer believe in God. And the rest of his teen years, he was raised as if there is no God. And now he's an adult and writing books and traveling the world and signing documents in New York City and being invited to parties in Toronto and all over the world. He can't make sense of life. He says, I know why dogs like doggy bones and cats instinctively chase mice. But what about humans? How do you explain humans? What makes a human a human? Who are we? Where do we come from? When loving relations crash, relationships crash and burn. When anxieties escalate and fear grips you. Where is the solace? He asks. And he vividly portrays the shallowness of the emptiness of humanistic thinking. Life with God in the outside when it's all about self. I said it was a 360 page book. And I was reading it thinking, oh, I would love to get in touch with Doug Copeland. I got to page 359. And here's what he said. Now here is my secret. I tell it to you with an openness of heart that I doubt I shall ever achieve again. So I pray that you are in a quiet room as you hear these words. My secret is I need God, but I'm sick and can no longer make it alone. The secret. You need God tonight. Your life will never be fulfilled. Because God has made you different than a giraffe and a hippopotamus and a kangaroo and a possum. The Bible tells us he has planted his image in us. We're made in his image. And he has put his imprint right on us. And he blessed us. He dignified the human family with the intelligent capacity to have a meaningful, intelligent relationship with himself. You were made to have a relationship, a rich relationship with God. And if you're wondering what that void is tonight, no matter what you achieve, you may become crazy in success. Just amazing. But if God is not in your life, you will have a void. You will have an emptiness inside. And for this man in the story, he was all about loving himself. The Bible says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. That's how God made us. Do you love God tonight? You know, this evidence suggests that we have failed on that front. And we even say that we love God. But what does the evidence tell us? The words we say, the choices that we make, the things we choose to watch the places we go, the plans we make, the time we spend, the thoughts we think. 
so often it's all about loving self. It pleases me. It gratifies me. We love self, naturally speaking. You know, there's a remarkable verse in the Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, Understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of self, early in the verse, and then lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's the next thing we can learn about him. Not only did he say, I don't need God, I don't love God, I love self, but now he's saying, I'm self-sufficient, I don't need God. I'm a successful farmer. I'm a successful businessman. And I'm taking full credit for everything that I, everything that I am enjoying. It's humanism. We did it. Our accomplishments. That was Satan's plan in Genesis chapter 3. You won't even need the big God. You'll become like a little mini God on the globe. Your eyes will be open and you'll see the big picture, Eve. If you just want this one time rebel against God, he's not good anyway. He's withholding something from you. So just rebel against God. Just defy God this one time and you will then see the big picture. You won't even need him. He said, you'll be as God yourself. This man was self-sufficient, human ingenuity, arrogance. He says, what shall I do? I have nowhere to bestow my crops. Man's reasoning impaired, God's goodness ignored. All the years of success he attributed to himself. Never acknowledged God in any of it. Not knowing what the Bible says in Acts chapter 14, that the goodness of God is leading sinners to repentance. Did you ever think, sir, of giving God thanks for your crops? God is at work in your life. God only gets credit for disasters and weather. Other than that, we're paddling our own canoes. We make our own plans. We leave God out, out of our lives completely until sickness comes. When we're afraid that we might not live until tomorrow, And then we're calling the 911 God. We didn't believe in him all the last year. We denied his existence. But in a crisis, in a pinch, we call out to him. Oh God, now come running. I've ignored you all my life. Now you drop everything and come running to save me. And if he doesn't, he's a mean, cruel monster. The Bible says there are none who seek after God. Before Richard Dawkins, every atheist has their little 70 years or 80 years on the stage, and then they go off. Before Richard Dawkins, there was a man by the name of Anthony Flew. He was known all around the world. He spent 50 years denying the existence of God. He traveled the globe. He wrote books. And he said this, The evidence for God falls like a pack of cards under scientific scrutiny. He spent his entire life denying the existence of God. But when he got into his 80s, 80s, here's what he said. I now believe that the universe was brought into existence by an infinite intelligence. I believe that this universe's intricate laws manifest what scientists have called the mind of God. 
I believe that life and reproduction originate in a divine source. Anthony Flew. Oh yeah, when you're healthy and well and young, you can deny he exists. But now he's an old man on the very precipice of eternity. And he's starting to think about who? God. Now is the time to be thinking about God. Just as an aside, you perhaps saw it in the news that the Global Atheist Convention that was supposed to be held in Melbourne, Australia in February of 2018 had to be cancelled due to lack of enrollment. It was cancelled, a world conference. Where does God fit in the equation of your life? He was self-centered. I don't think God. Egocentric, not God-centric. Plans for the future. Secularism. Secularism. Here's what he said. My fruit, my barns, my goods, my soul. Let me just do that. I'm going to give you a quick little test and I'm going to sort of wrap it up a little bit. But do you remember in grade one or K school? They were called juvenile tests of association. You would, um, there would be a knife and a fork and a spoon and a motorcycle. And you're supposed to circle which one didn't connect with the others. I hope you didn't circle spoon. You know, in this list, I'm going to go over the list again. And there's one in this list that's in a, an entirely different league. My crops, my barns, my grains, my goods. And verse 19, my soul. Which one is in a different league all by itself? My soul. Your possessions are all going to be left behind, but you're going out to meet God. But secularism leaves God completely on the outside, out of sight, out of mind. The Lord Jesus said, you can be rich in possessions, rich in life, but not rich towards God. Wouldn't it be a sad thing to be rich in life, but poor for eternity? Man's reasoning impaired, God's goodness ignored, soul's future imagined. Oh, I have got lots of time. I'm going to pull down my barns and build bigger. And then I'm going to sit back in this deck here in the patio. I'm going to build a swing for myself and a nice footstool. And I will sit out here and look over all my estate. And I will say, so you've worked hard all your life. Now take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Merry. Hedonism. Pleasure. All about pleasure. These are really serious questions because the last point I want to make, life's plans were interrupted. It must be an awful thing. One thing to say, I don't love God and I don't need God, but to be going out into eternity and the pulse getting very weak and saying, and I don't know God, the frantic search. God's question is, are you rich towards him? When you meet him in eternity, he's not going to ask you if you've made money. How many plaques or awards you won? Here's the question. My son gave his life for sinners. Did you accept him as your savior? And those who accepted him were rich, rich, rich toward God. So what about it? Have you accepted Christ as your savior? God has done all that is needed to provide you a home in heaven, a new life and relationship with Him. Are you still going to ignore Him? Put it off for another time? If you do, it would be a foolhardy choice. The Lord Jesus Christ said so. 
Eternity will be a long time to call yourself a fool. Be wise. Be wise and settle this ultimate question before it's too late. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.